Named after the mechanism that separates the sweet wort from the spent grain, Fault's Bottom Girls features two beer experts filtering through the brewing industry to guide listeners through the wonderful, yet sometimes confusing, world of beer. Hi, my name is Rachel Hudson. I'm the co-owner and head brewer of Pilot Brewing in Charlotte, North Carolina, and also Advanced Cicero. Hi, I'm Jen Blair, the executive director of the North American Craft Maltsters Guild and also an Advanced Cicerone. Hey everyone, and thanks for listening. This is uh, our next episode of False Bottom Girls, as we've teased in the previous episodes. We actually recorded this one quite some time ago and are releasing it now as our third episode. So I think after this, um, maybe we'll get better about it, at it. Who knows? Uh, maybe we'll continue to... Uh, lose our train of thought like I just did. So <laughs> this this episode is an interview with Kara Simpson from Aroxic Technologies. Uh, you, If you've listened to the first two episodes, you've heard us talk about Aroxa. They are the company that does flavor standards uh, for a variety of industries, but the one we're most interested in, of course, is beer. And they provide flavor standards. Uh, most people, I would say, use them for off-flavor training. And that's what we use at Pilot. That's what I use uh, in, I guess, in my personal off-flavor training life. Um, and Kara is was nice enough uh, while she was visiting here in Charlotte to come in and talk to us about everything that Aroxa does. And then we just had uh, some nice conversations about sensory analysis, uh, QC, QA, in breweries, and also best practices and advice from Kara on what to do if you want to improve your beer tasting palate. So please enjoy and thanks again for listening. Okay, so we have a very special guest who's joining us right now. Um, this is Kara Simpson from Aroxa and um, she's here to talk with us a little bit more about the what Aroxa does, um, some of the things that they offer, and then uh, just a little bit more of our discussion on off flavors. Uh, yes. Somebody else's voice besides mine and Rachel's. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so, Carl, yeah, go ahead. I'll let you uh, do a, do an introduction. Yeah, I mean, I don't really know where to start. I mean, some people might have heard of us, some people haven't. So it just depends on people's backgrounds, how long they've been in the industry, etc. Um, but basically what we do is we provide uh, reference flavor standards to mostly the beer industry, but we do other industries like soft drinks, wine, cider, water, etc. Random stuff as well, like dog food. it's a weird one there are dog food taste panels out there trust me beer is the better one to be on yeah oh like people oh with humans oh yeah yeah i would i would much rather be drinking beer than eating dog food definitely (laughs) oh god but yeah basically we provide a reference flavor standards to the beer industry um as well as training on kind of sensory and quality systems and a load of other stuff around sensory yeah um and that could be related to in house brewery taste panels or kind of people as individuals so they might be studying for like master cicerone for example or advanced cicerone or just wanting to become a taster maybe they're a beer judge yeah maybe they're just genuinely interested in it so it's people from lots of different areas of the beer industry pretty much right i think um when i took the course we had i had taken it because i was studying for the advanced and then there were um Joe from Sugar Creek was yeah. in there as well as Brian, um, Brian Reed. Reed. Yes. Yeah. Um, and they were about to take the master the next week, but yeah. we also had a lot of QA, like the QA, um, 
heads heads of the QA labs mm-hmm. from like New Belgium and Brooklyn Brewing. Yeah, and a, like a lot of people like that. Yeah, so like the course that Jen's talking about, we do two courses um, at least a year around the US that we call like open courses. Uh, They're train the trainer. So most of the courses that we do are in-house and at breweries. They could be one day, three day, five day, whatever. Um, But this open course is five days. It's three days of tasting. And then the last two days are kind of focused on, depending on who we have in the group, to be honest. So we have had some classes that have been people who are predominantly QA or some that are predominantly studying for Master Cicerone. So we'll kind of tailor the last two days around that, to be honest. Um, But yeah, we get a real mix of people. I mean, we've had people who are QA lab managers, they're studying for Master Cicerone. We've had some, for example, that work for like um, like a high-end Michelin star equivalent restaurant in New York yeah, who they have right. to design a wine menu, but they want to know more about beer. Yeah. So they want to start a beer flavor, um, which is, to be honest, really important. Then it we've is. had people yeah. from like raw materials industries, like yeah. hot malt suppliers, right. whatever it may be. So yeah, you get a real mishmash of people, I think, yeah. in the group, which is nice because then lots of people that haven't met each other yes. can talk yeah. and... Well, it's yeah, important it. for everyone who is in those types of positions mm-hmm. uh, to be up, oh, yeah. up to scale. Yeah, um, right. You know, you, you kind of, if you're going to sell quality ingredients, yeah. you got to know when it's bad. Well, I think a lot of those people that are in like quality roles as well in mm-hmm. those breweries, yeah. <laughs> without the sunny bad, I don't think they get to get out much sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so I think they're probably thankful and they get to meet like a, a quality manager for someone for another brewery that they right. might, that might be like New Belgium meeting someone yeah. from Sierra. <laughs> right, from no, that's really Cigar true. City or something. They're that, like, oh, you yeah (laughs) yeah and it is kind of like camp like i still keep in touch with the people i was in that course we've had people before from like previous years ago that are like oh yeah i met them then we see each other all the time now you're like you're welcome (laughs) all the beer stuff is like camp it's great like jbf cbc i mean i that's exactly how i've always described as beer oh yeah it's my favorite yes it's a good way to think of it yeah (laughs) right it's the break break you get Mm -hmm. (laughs) from the year yeah exactly (laughs) exactly um, so yeah, so um, with the the flavor standards, mm-hmm. I know um, what we do in the brewery is kind of the sensory off flavor training yeah. um, to make sure that well our our brewery is very focused on mm-hmm. the Cicerone program mm-hmm. and um, getting people working through that. So a lot of the tasting panels we do are kind of focused on that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but what are some other like when you're doing things in breweries, is that, yeah. is, do you do something like that? Um, I think it depends. Um, A, on the size you are. So the number of staff you have, the amount of commitment you can put to it. Um, compared, like, do you yeah. have five people? Do you have a hundred people? Yeah, exactly. We have about probably five yeah. who can consistently do it. Right. And and that's cool. But to really, I, I have read at least to really get a good yeah. group, you got to have at least like, you know, 14 or 15 people consistently. Yeah, I mean, we kind of say like 12 is kind of a good benchmark yeah. i mean if you're a much larger brewery then you should hopefully have people like that on staff i think where people kind of go wrong when let's say they have a brewery of 80 to 100 people is you can include everyone so yeah. and you can and include the people who want to be involved that sometimes they just go straight for production yep whereas some of the best tasters i've ever met in-house in breweries they might work in like hr or they're a bar back right. or they're like yep. an accounts manager something like that <laughs> no it's very true i used to brew at left hand and yeah. um they have like 100 employees but maybe mm-hmm. like 70 on site you know yeah. all every day yeah and once a week 
Oh, we, yeah. We would just do, in a lot of times it would not be spiked beer. A lot of times it would be just the beer. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a week mm-hmm. old. This is out of the fermenter. This right. is, yeah. you know, what, what. And it's so important to do that. Um, yeah. And to give feedback. And, uh, you know, it, as a lot of times with bigger breweries like that, you'll have a handful of people who are really into yeah. it. And then you'll have a handful of people who just want to do their job and want to go home. I always say training the breweries in-house is always way harder than like the open ones we do because I've had breweries, for example, where I personally trained like 100 to 120 people over like a couple days and we'll do, we'll split in sessions of like 15, 20 people, maybe on 15, 20 flavors. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you'll get some people who they just don't want to be there because their bosses told them to go, which is fine. (laughs) Yeah, I could get it. But by doing that you kind of go through all the people who have a talent. And then what we say for people who have, let's say you have 100 people like this brewery, you can then send out like a survey, for example, find out a bit about their interests, find Mm -hmm. out whether they drink beer regularly or whether they don't touch the stuff. Yeah. be quite important. Um, Whether whether they're available as well. Do they have the time or do they work one day a week Mm -hmm. for the brewery? Yeah. Um, and once you know those kind of remits, you can narrow it down. So pick like your top 10, 15% and then also the ones that are actually interested. Because right. the ones that actually in- are interested and want to learn they're gonna are, do, are going to be your good tasters. They are. Right. Yeah. If you've got someone who they're naturally talented, but they don't care. Yeah. There's only a certain point you're going to get them to. <laughs> they're right. like, or they won't turn up. Yeah, I mean, right. you probably saw this, Jen, on the class we went to. The biggest question we get on the last two days of the course is always, how do I get people to come to sensory? Yes. No, it's always our biggest thing. And the American way seems to be, anytime you go to a QA lab in a brewery in America, the first thing they show you is their pantry. The snacks, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they're like, look at all the snacks we have yeah. for everyone. But, yeah, that but, is really true. I yeah. found myself struggling a lot at Left Hand and Noto. Yeah. Um, I was so busy in the brewery yeah. that I found I would get a annoyed sometimes yeah. like no I want to finish cleaning this tank so I'm not here <laughs> for 12 hours you mm-hmm. know or whatever because right. you know time is important yeah especially when it's not your brewery yeah and mm-hmm. you're f- working on your own and you got other things to do <laughs> right, right I think it's a combination right. of stuff I think it's having someone who's actually interested and engaged and maybe get some sort of feedback in the training phase to show yeah. how good they're doing so say oh you got 100% on that like and people oh, yeah. people are competitive they want to like improve oh, yeah right but I think the other thing as well is for the sensory team leader whatever you want to call them they have to kind of make it easy. So if you have mm-hmm. just spent the last like hour CIPing a tank or in the middle of it, it has to be like, you can pop in. It yeah. shouldn't, we always say that, say you've got five samples in front of you. It should really be taking you like 15 minutes. Exactly. Like, and I've heard of some breweries where they come in and people are spending like 45 minutes to an hour. And oh, it no. should be like, no, you can walk in a taste room or you can walk in a booth and it's like done. Yes, easy. Right. exactly. And yeah. that's, that's the way it's it was at, at left hand. Yeah. It was very much like, hey, we're doing it from nine to noon. Come when you yeah. can. Yeah. And I made a point to go because I could find the time mm-hmm. to go. And yeah. there's three hours where yeah. at Noda, I'd be like, no, we're doing this now. And you're yeah. right. 45 minutes yeah. would go by and it would yeah. be so frustrating um, because I'm done in 15 minutes. And now we're talking about it. And then they're talking about other things. And yeah. it's just like... You know, I if you want proper kind of sensory information as well, like have it available for your tasters and then that person can collect the data after. If you're yes. having a round table right. discussion and just want to have an overall, do we like the beer? You can do that later. Yeah, right. That, that exactly. Split the two. You know, yeah. yeah. It's all about who's managing and organizing yeah, the thing. For sure. 
And so what's your opinion, Kara? And this is, um, I know we do this at Pilot, but mm-hmm. um, I've heard a lot of times the best practices is if you're the brewer or if you're the owner, it's best not for you to be on the panel because you're employees might be more inclined to say this is fine this tastes fine we don't have that at pilot because yeah. we have a very like we normally very community, just do like off discussion. flavors too right. it's like yeah. yes or no it's right it's but, not very but yeah you're right um i've i've been in that situation yeah. i have right. and, and i know at pilot i've like when uh, one of my first beers we brewed there it had diacetyl in it and yeah. i said this has got diacetyl and rachel said do you want me to pull it and i said yeah and that's oh, yeah. you know like that and it was really it, first of all, it was my fault for not doing a BDK <laughs> and rushing it. But that day, we hooked it up, and a couple of us did try it, and it was great. And it was very odd to us because yeah. that, it was hours later, and I came back, and she's like, "Yeah," it, and I was like, "You're right. This is a diastole." And, and I know that yeah. like Rachel knows that. Yeah. But that's, yeah. There's just we foster that kind of discussion where that's okay mm-hmm. to approach the owner yeah. slash head brewer to say that. Yeah. But yeah. In general, what like what are your recommendations? In general, for, for us, we say people on a sensory panel. Your panel should know nothing. I always say it's like they should walk in, know absolutely nothing. Um, your the only time they know something is during training. Like so, you could slip in compesta products, you could slip in Coca Cola, you could slip in whatever you want. Right, I like that, that. People say I don't have time to time or money in my budget to spike products but the thing is it's not just a, it's you know? not just about spikes the yeah. thing i say is okay get your ipa mm-hmm. for example and then do blend half of it with cause light or yeah. something do you know yeah, what i mean right. do that doesn't cost you a lot of money and right. that's still you're still validating your panel so if you put it in twice let's say you've got your ipa you put that and then you put another one that's the blended one if they put exactly the same thing for both because you've told them it's the ipa you know you've got an issue but if mm-hmm. they're going no this isn't that that's a very right, good then, very yeah. good suggestion that i don't think any i've ever seen any brewery do, do that yeah i had uh, one time nota <laughs> Char- uh, so Catawba brewing yeah it came down here they had charlotte ipa mm-hmm. nota has hop drop so they did uh, they did that with us with uh, charlotte ipa and hop drop yeah, and I was like, I don't know what is wrong with this hop drop, but it is delicious. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh no, I did not make Todd very happy. Oh, no. He was already very concerned. Charlotte IPA was going to take over. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> but to answer your initial question, mm-hmm. we basically say the panel should know nothing. So if you're in a kind of place where you have someone who can take responsibility to lead those sessions or to collect the data, then that person like it your head brewer can sit on it yeah right. yeah they might recognize what the main sure. brand is maybe and when you mean know nothing you mean know nothing about that specific panel yeah, yeah. like yeah, uh, yeah yeah for sure so you have no idea what you're walking into i think for mm-hmm. a pilot we've done everything the same yeah mm-hmm. we're gonna start switching it up and do the master cicerone yeah. um stop go t- stop go yeah. uh more style yeah, discrimination so that, that's what we do most of the time so it's stop go or we call it kind of warehouse release and it's mm-hmm. basically the same and it's identifying if there's anything wrong with it if it's true to type if it's true to the whatever you're trying to make yeah right yeah that's all really good ways yeah. of getting your brain to think mm-hmm. about these flavors in a different way because mm-hmm. you get hooked on something one way and oh, then yeah. that will end up screwing you and you take a test right. down the road <laughs> right so one of the other things uh, we were talking about earlier with um, 
Rachel and I both, I was joking that together we make a really great Cicerone because (laughs) she's always passed the tastings and I've always passed the written. That is so weird. And it's, I I think Because I feel like you're better at tasting than I am. But I feel like (laughs) you're, you're just more. Go with my, I have learned to go with my gut a little bit better. I I spent as, and this isn't like a brag, but I was always a straight A student and that was because I got very good at learning what other people wanted me to say. Yeah. And not really kind of testing my own, like, do I actually know these things or am I just memorizing it? Yeah. And so I think that that's, yeah, you can't really that memorize really an harms me. <laughs> yes, that's exactly. And that's like, as I've gotten farther past school, like, particularly with the Cicerone, particularly with the tasting, yeah, has been one of the most frustrating things for me because I'm just not used to not being able to tell you what the answer is. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's so irritating when someone points it out and you're like, oh, really? You smell it immediately. Yeah. Yeah. You can taste it immediately. You're like, oh, man. And And you're like, I always get diastole. Yeah. I know. Exactly. Exactly. And what I do is I, so many times I talk myself out of the right answer. That's what most people tend to do. Exactly. And so what's, I don't know, maybe speak a little bit about that, like what kind of advice or guidance you might have for that and or any other when it comes to sensory training, like other common mistakes that you see people make? Yeah, I mean, in in terms of particularly for the Cicerone exam, I think there's a couple. I think one of them is definitely talking yourself out of it. Um, it's one thing we say when we do training a lot of the time of when people, that's it, we do a test out of every single kind of evaluation that we give people so we'll present them with 10 samples then they're always given a test at the end of it of every single one so we can measure how they're doing Mm -hmm. um but during that when people like put something and then cross it out nine times out of ten they're crossing it out and putting the wrong thing yep um yeah yeah (laughs) been there i've done that yeah (laughs) um but mostly as well the reason i say to trust it is your smell memory is kind of in a different part of your brain as well so it's why when people get like dementia and can't remember and stuff they try and make the all have some kind of tragedy like PTSD. Mm-hmm. Sure. They try and remind them about stuff with smells because it goes into a different part of your yeah, brain. Yeah, that's very okay. interesting. Um, yeah, so we always say to people when we do these classes, we're like, this is time to turn your brain off. Don't think of anything and just let it go in. Right. Wow. Yeah, right. When no you, one's ever said that Yeah, I know. People, <laughs> people, how many train, training courses do you go on where someone says that? No, <laughs> not exactly. Yeah. <laughs> don't so, think about this. Yeah, yeah. So we always tell people to just like, shut up and be quiet and don't think about it and then just go through the motions and to be honest if you've practiced and you've exposed yourself to it before and you've had some sort of training on it you should be able to pick up the glass and something in your brain will be like screaming it at you and if you're going and like hunting for it yeah and you can really talk yourself into thinking it's something else um it depends. I mean, like, I know some people have some sort of strategies with stuff of they'll narrow it down depending on whether it's like an ester or a sulfur mm-hmm. or something like that. I think that can work as well. Okay. Um, that if you are stuck, think, okay, what area is it in? Because or, oh, what, or what are you going to mix right. it up with? So, for example, people mix up like isovaleric and butyric all the time. Mm-hmm. I mix up yeah. isovaleric and mercaptan a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yep. another one. So both cheeses. Yeah, but, th- right. but think it's the same when you're studying the beer styles. So think of it like that. What differentiates them for you? Mm-hmm. What what makes the isovaleric more isovaleric? Yeah, and what makes mercaptan more mercaptan? Yeah. Right. And I think kind of on that as well is when you're studying is find the descriptor that works for you. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think more often than not, people think of what they've been told or what they've read about. Mm-hmm. I mean, we try and chuck around a, a load of descriptors for one, which is the same because you'll find that compound in all those things. Yeah. For example, DMS has like eight you can pick. You right. can do kind of like sweet corn, baked beans, tomato soup, ketchup. Right. Yeah, so I've stra- heard a lot stra- of different things. Strawberry jam. Mm-hmm. Wow. Trust me, uh, try DMS now and think strawberry jam. Yeah, it works. I, strawberry oh, jam that, works for That's me. crazy. I've never thought. I can only get corn. Yeah. Well, I that's can the only thing, get corn. And that's your but thing. But I'm going to think about strawberry jam. Yeah. Now, I'll try I'm it. Curious. It's really weird. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I do it to people and they're like, what? Yeah. No, that happened to yeah, me in the course. Yeah. So So find one that works for you, I think. And think that's your thing that makes that jump out most at you so you um, mentioned about kind of like relaxing and going for it i feel like yeah. i my, minus the relaxing part i feel like i kind of do that when yeah. I, i'll sit there i just tend to smell each one yeah first and then put it back and i have heard some people say you should smell and taste each one but bef- like instead of just going down the line real quick yeah do you have one way or another that I, works better that you think i personally would say i think technique comes into it a lot um, and that's mainly because all of these different compounds and flavors, you pick them up in different ways. Yeah. So for example, like Lightstruck H2S, you will smell those from a distance. Mm-hmm. If you go and stick yeah. your nose in the glass and go and taste it, you'll, you'll make yourself temporarily blind to it and you mm-hmm. won't be able to yeah. smell it for right. a while. So I would say probably go through the motions. So we kind of have a tasting method. Um, one of them is smelling from the distance. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's kind of essentially what we um, call it drive-by, past your nose, right. then like a one-second sniff, yep. two-second, covering the glass with a hand, and then like a two-second sniff, and then kind of a taste and retronasal taste. Mm-hmm. Um, it's basically backward sniffing. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> it's a simple I way like to describe it. I like it. that yeah. a lot. I'm going to write that on my next exam. <laughs> yeah. Backwards sniffing. It is Kara from Roxas said so. <laughs> this is right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think go through the motions with each one. Don't pick yeah. it up and think you know what it is instantly because, th- or dive your nose straight into it. I think mm. people panic and they go and just taste each one as well. Yeah. And it's like go through each technique like right. if, if you think it's metallic, you'll get it from rubbing it on the back of your hand. Yeah. Stuff right. like that. Like test it and double check it and go through it. Yep. I think is a big thing with it, to be honest. Yeah, we took that uh, Cicerone course yeah. mm-hmm, the, for the off flavors at right, Sugar Creek right, mm-hmm. the a year or production. so ago. Yeah. And that was really helpful That's good. to like learn how yeah. to taste metallic, learn how to yeah. get that DMS from that long distance sniff. Or, or yeah. you know, there's, there's like oxidation. I cannot smell it, but I can <laughs> taste it. Yeah. Like hardcore. Yeah. And I there was a time where I'd get that confused with chlorophenol. Yeah. But now I've kind of narrowed that down and... You know, yeah, there, think, it takes a lot. I think the thing for when you're studying for like these exams is you do have some people who I think try and do it without ever having any standards and stuff. And I admire them because I feel like <laughs> it's trying to do the style portion without ever having had had yeah. a, had an IPA. Or right. Had, yeah. Exactly. Had a golden we were nail. talking about like, that earlier because yes. that's what you said you did for your first certified, right? You just... No, I had done it. I had done the off flavor at home once. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it was all still like when I got there, I was like, now which one is diacetyl yeah. and which one is DMS? Yeah. And like, if I, and I didn't know beer yeah. styles. I, yeah. I just wasn't, yeah. wasn't well, ready for it. I think it's, it test yourself on it and do mm-hmm. that. And then from there, keep doing it. And yeah. I don't mean go and buy a billion standards a week. I mean, that would be great. Thanks, yeah. But <laughs> right. that you can test it by going into your local beer bar. 
yeah. or what you drink regularly and think, right, what what are the flavors in this? What right. If I had to mix like 20 different capsules in a glass, what would make this beer? Yeah. Yeah. And a well, lot that's of, a great way yeah, of thinking about it. If you think of it, it like that, yeah. that, you can make your brain think about it and yeah. you can pick those things out and that's right. continuously training. And a lot of classes are happening these yeah. days that you yeah, can go true. to. Yeah. I know, you know, we do them here and there and yeah. I know Sugar Creek's really involved in doing off-flavor mm-hmm. training and hopefully yeah. more people do become I mean, that. yeah, I think the main thing as well is if you personally can't afford to do it yourself, there's loads of people out there who are studying. Oh, Try yeah. and group together mm-hmm. and split the cost and then do it over an evening or something, for example. Yep. I mean, I know our Uno kit, for example, is 10 flavors and it's like... 99 pounds which is like 120 dollars if you get like 10 of you yes like right oh it's great yeah Yeah, it's perfect because you do have to make a liter of beer with these things also and nobody wants to drink all that exactly then you're wasting all for yourself (laughs) it's like who wants to sit and drink like a a liter of chlorophenol (laughs) i'm good (laughs) yeah sign me up right yeah so let's talk about the discovery program Mm -hmm. a little bit so tell us about the discovery program so the discovery program is what we have at the moment, which we are actually going to be changing. So oh. it's one of those things that's <laughs> like, eh. Um, at the moment, it's basically when you make a purchase online, you can then use your points to buy our more recent and kind of upgraded standards. Okay. Um, essentially, we're going to be changing it because all the ones we have right now um we've had released for a while they've been out there for kind of two years whatever so we're actually um we're do- getting a new website um having a oh, bit nice. which finally <laughs> um <laughs> having a bit of kind of a new release and kind of a lot of like the hop standards and malt standards that we do some the specialty ones really that are related to like barrel aging and yeah. like sour nice. programs and stuff um they're going to be available in like six capsule pots rather than 10 because we know people don't train on them as much so it's like okay, okay you're, you don't need that many yeah right. um so if if yeah if I'm under the correct assumption, mm-hmm. this was kind of a program for us to like taste them. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, w- when we first launched it, it was so people could taste them, go through them. We'll get people's feedback. Yeah, basically. Okay. So on you them. wanted the feedback yeah, to yeah. develop a standard. Yeah, pretty much. Sure. I mean, that was the initial program. It's something we're gonna continue, but most of those is we know what the the descriptors sure. we have right. of them are now. So it's more upgrading those, but we have kind of about three hundred in our library. I think yeah. we have like a hundred we have like eighty five online and kind of twenty in the discovery program. So gotcha. yeah, there's gonna be a lot more released and kind nice. of slowly. Um but in, we'll still kind of get them yeah. in the same way. Yeah, yeah. in the same way. Cool. Um but we're thinking of making it more just like release a couple every kind of month. Yeah. yeah month or so. And yeah. kind of get those online so you don't want our feedback for these is what you're saying <laughs> you can give me a feedback if you want i don't I mean, think she needs it i mean you, i you felt so honored <laughs> i mean you say that but it's so weird we get some so we have a internal sensory panel um and we trained them just over a year ago and um they're a mixture of people from kind of local community we recruited most of them actually so actually any brewery could do this we've been telling people they can as well we recruited most of them from like facebook groups um tons of stuff like that Mm -hmm. um someone where we knew they had roots in the community um a little bit so they lived there for 20 years or they're retired or whatever and we kind of we got it it was exhausting we got like 100 (laughs) 150 200 people um we did three tests with all of them um and then basically 
yeah, we trained them all up. Well, we took from those the ones that were good, talented, and sure. wanted to be there, and then we trained them up, and then we have, I think, I might get this wrong, 28, I think. Um, nice. Obviously, you don't need that many. Um, we usually have sensory. We use them for our internal standards as well. Um, but they're trained on like 120 flavors. Like they, they know That's a lot. Amazing. Wow. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, Sign me up. <laughs> yeah, but we kind of call on them when we need them. We pay them kind of like a living wage, what it's called in London. Um, and yeah, we pay them by the hour. We say we need you for four hours work. We'll do this. That's something brewers could do if they think, oh, we yeah. don't have people to do it. Why not? And you right. get an it completely independent assessment. They're fully trained. Yeah. Um, but yeah, basically, I think with that, we, we had one lady who, uh, with one compound, it's actually the two acetothiazole that you've got there. Oh, we, yeah. Yeah, we... we were, Grainy yeah. for, for this, well, not the, yeah, yeah, there's a mixture of or stuff. That's what I yeah, think. <laughs> we, yeah, we've referred to it as like uh, popcorn, but not butter popcorn. Like yeah. as if you had kind of like raw popped corn. Sure. Um, but she kind of, she picked it up and she literally got the glass and just went oh dog's paws and sometimes people say stuff and you ignore it and you're like yeah yeah okay whatever and you're like huh and you always do like a little face and pretend like yeah and literally, <laughs> yeah. And literally so I it. smell it and I literally just smells like you smell a dog's paw yeah and I said instantly to my dad straight after and he literally went home and smelled our dog and just got that and went yep it's exactly that <laughs> so sometimes people are weird and he kind of go- he googled it um online and um there was like an article in like the daily mail and the sun and stuff like that um that basically said that uh loads of pe- people had found in research universities that they it smelled of dog's paws and then there was this professor saying oh it must be ridiculous and coincidence and it's like no it's probably bacterial and it probably grows on a dog's paw as well yeah. as growing a bib there you go <laughs> no i love that because like when you say you know like popcorn I yeah. can kind of get that but as soon as you say like dog's paw I you know, know exactly smell. what that yeah. smell is and it works yeah because my husband will be like why are you smelling the dog's feet I'm like because it has this very like distinct <laughs> uh-huh. smell that I find pleasant now I have to go home and smell my dog's paw <laughs> yeah yes. sorry for sorry no. for that <laughs> <laughs> it's okay she'll look at me weird but she'll right. allow it but the thing is my dad now he knows that so the company I work for my dad actually started if you guys don't know um that he um he basically, he's like, I really want to do a survey on it, but how do I get to a park and it not be weird and I go up to people and tell, like, can I, can I smell your dog's paw? <laughs> he can come smell my dog's paw. Yeah. <laughs> I, no judgment. He's like, cause right, he's like, because right now I have a sample of one and that's not good sensory practice. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> he can probably go to a, a, sh- a shelter. Yeah. Sp- that's true. <laughs> to explain what he's doing. Yeah, they're like, like, they're going to bite you in the face. Yeah, they'll right. be like, like oh. <laughs> Go to the dog daycare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly they're gonna be like i'm going to dial nine one yeah. on my phone and just in case <laughs> so jen said that you're here in town for a couple of weeks working yeah. at sugar creek i am so tell us about that yeah it's good i mean um, i'm trying to just expand my brewing knowledge and kind of hands-on experience i think so a lot of the stuff i've learned has been kind of textbooks and training courses mm-hmm. and stuff like that yeah um which yeah there's only so much you can read about cip no, compared to doing it doing it it's really true yeah, yeah. Got to so, have that street smarts. Yeah, exactly. So I kind of just took the opportunity. I'm technically on sabbatical right now. Yeah, nice. <laughs> um, to basically reach out and, yeah, I've known Joe for a couple of years and just say, can I come and brew and, 
yeah, mess about and yeah, <laughs> figure out some stuff and see what you guys are doing and try and get stuck in with different bits. So rather than just being on one area, yeah, rather than just being right. stuck in a cellar for six weeks, I can do yeah. packaging, I can be in the cellar, I can do dry hopping, I can brew, yeah. like everything. Right, yeah. yeah. And they do have a good facility for yeah. that since they have like packaging. And yeah, I mean, and get, it's like, a, a nice whole... like small knit team. I mean, everyone kind of does everything. Yeah, right. It's trained in everything, which is good. So yep. people can move around and then if there's one area they love, they can kind of say, no, I prefer to be in the cellar or I prefer yeah. to package. But right. most of the time people kind of move about and they're hands on. Yeah, how long have you been been over there so far? Not long, I think a month. Oh maybe. wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's getting there. Yeah, slowly but surely. <laughs> what it, what's like your most favorite part back there so far? Um, mucking out. Yeah. <laughs> how, did, how did you know? <laughs> Do you know? Honestly, I don't mind that. It's really weird. I used to like muck out at like horse stables when I was younger. And yeah, it reminds it's me of that. Probably a lot better than yeah, that. Yeah, and it smells better. It smells better. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> at least for a little while. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to be honest, it's seeing the process in action. Yeah. Like I've visited like a kajillion breweries but sure. most of the time and every single one is different that mm-hmm. is actually seeing it as the day-to-day and the day-to-day practicalities and troubleshooting if you want to call it that like right. when things go wrong yeah what do you do yeah it's like invaluable and I think you learn that from kind of experience and just getting on with it oh for sure yeah, yeah. there are a uh, there's been a lot of times where a brewer or pilot's been like, oh, no, this is broken. Yeah, I'm like, oh, sure. just tap it again, put the thing back in there mm-hmm. a little bit. And it's yeah, it's experience, it's yeah. invaluable. And I've made a lot of mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> I've done a lot of really cool things. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I had very opposite. You yeah. know, I'd never homebrewed. I started at a 20-barrel brew house. They had one person working. So yeah. I was, like, cheap labor, willing to learn. And that's how I, I learned what to do mm-hmm. instead of before, like what, you know, the chemistry yeah. and what was actually going on. And, um, yeah, it took a long time before I could like probably really tell you a lot mm-hmm. about, you know, <laughs> brewing. Right. I right. can yeah. tell you what to do. Well, that's the thing. But, I mean, like Logan, the head brewer said to me, he's like, most of the time when they've been training other people, it's they teach them how to do it. And then like, if they're interested, they'll teach them the why. Yeah. Whereas mm-hmm. he's like with me, he's like, he's like I know you know the why but he's like I feel like I'm having to do both at once I'm like this is this and we do this because of this reason yeah but I think that's how most people learn of it's right yeah this this is what you do yeah and then if you want to find out more later just need people to work yeah you need to need people to get on with it sometimes don't you clean those kegs yeah get that beer packaged you Mm -hmm. know all the crap jobs and but it is important to like yeah explain why it's because you know why you should not mix yeah. the caustic and the CO2 under oh, pressure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, it's one of those things of like, and I was so paranoid about that when I first ever see IP something. But I think, I, yeah, I, I think know that feeling. I don't know that many people that have probably seen photos or in person of collapsed tanks. And I've, I've seen a few. I've seen a few. Yeah. I've never yeah. seen one collapse in my face, like in yeah, front no, of me, but I've seen a few. Yeah. Left hand had one that yeah. they kept up for a long time as a reminder. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. To be honest, that's probably a good idea. Yeah. Show people and be like, look, this Odell is Odell still has one. They, they use it. Yeah. You know? yeah. And, uh, yeah. But, you know, it happens. It's a dangerous world. People die working in breweries. So yeah. it is important. To- yeah. I think the, the why is really important. I think mm-hmm. especially because it is so easy to like contaminate your beer as well with yeah. stuff from mm-hmm. like cross-contamination, especially all these people making sours and stuff at the mm. moment. It's so yeah. easy done. Yeah. And uh, honestly, it's just a bit of 
like practice and actually yeah. like paying attention and keeping right. yourself separate I think it's really important yeah but you're right though you have to have someone who's gonna be willing to take the time to explain yeah the show because you know that's hard to come by too yeah it's a lot of work to be done at a brewery oh yeah definitely yeah especially if you're like a small team and you're trying to mm-hmm. get there and don't have yeah. like a billion pounds then he's right. just getting on with <laughs> stuff isn't it <laughs> yeah yeah, and we've, um, I mean, I've been in breweries, and we've been in breweries together where, you know, when I was learning how to homebrew, the first time I went into a homebrew shop, they continued to say, clean, clean, clean. You yeah. have to clean everything. You have to make sure everything's clean. That's the most important yeah. thing. And so as we started homebrewing, cleaning was always a priority. Yeah. And at Pilot, I mean, cleaning, it's very clean. Clean yeah. is the priority because it has to be. But it has you, to be, You yeah. take that for granted. And I've gone back into breweries before where, um, you know, like one in particular was just one guy. Yeah. And he's like, well, I brewed a couple of days ago and had a boil over and I haven't cleaned my kettle yet. Yeah. I mean, yeah. There's. I've been in some very dirty breweries before where I've walked in and you're like, really? Yeah. <laughs> but on, honestly, some of the cleanest breweries I've ever been in have probably been the ones that I wouldn't expect to be if I'm being perfectly honest. Sure. The, and I can probably tell you the cleanest brewery I've ever been in, it was actually Crooked Dave. <laughs> that, that, yeah, you know, that, that, that kind of makes sense. most people, but they were so... I thought they got their work from Great Divide. Yeah, they do-ish, I think, okay. but I think... They, I, I know they, yeah. they might have started brewing. I yeah. know at one point they were trying to put a brew up house in the source, Yeah, and that didn't really work out, I don't think. Well, they've got like, they've got, like a cool ship. And no, I've been there, yeah, like that barrel got, yeah, area. Yeah, barrel area oh, yeah, is dirty. stunning. And it smells <laughs> like uh, musky hops. They're, making, they, that, they they're making an IPA there and stuff like that, so they're not oh. just doing sours now. So they they have an IPA. I think they might have a pale ale as well. Yeah. They mm-hmm. have, they've introduced a core range. So I think when they were just sours, yeah, fine. But I think the fact that they have a mixture of everything. Yeah, so I didn't they know have that. this whole color coordinated system mm-hmm. is you should go again. It's if you go to GABF, try and go again. Because they have one for all their IPAs and stuff and one's for their sours and wild beers. But they take apart their whole packaging line depending on what they're making and put it back together. Oh, God, which is like a nightmare. Yeah, but that <laughs> oh, is man. like next level At least commitment. they do that. Yeah, that's, that's like great. next level I mean, commitment. Yeah. That's not just CIPing it. But they, he knows, like, yeah. Crooked Steve, like, they yeah. are on point. They put on different fittings depending on what they're making. That's good. Yeah. Which is, good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's locally, risky, but it's good. Yeah. Locally, Wooden Robot does that as yeah. well. Like, mm. they have fantastic sours they have fantastic ipas and i've I've even asked before are you worried about cross-contamination and Mm -hmm. you know and dan said no we we clean everything and we make sure like all of the soft side stuff is replaced if it needs to be and so it is possible to do that and it's like that just speaks to to me to the level of commitment and always having a good product which we were talking about that earlier. You don't find that all the time, yeah. particularly in craft and particularly when you're getting out into markets where maybe there is only one or two breweries in the mm-hmm. area. And so they don't necessarily. Yeah. Have I mean, to be there's, a, there's a huge number of IPAs I've probably like drank in my life that definitely have bread in them. Yeah. <laughs> Just by tasting, you're like, this is probably not intended. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We don't do, we'll do some kettle sours and that's about it. Yeah. Because uh, it's just too many. Everyone that works at Pilot is a brewer. They spend yeah, half, no, half their time brewing, yeah. half their time bartending. It's just a lot of cooks in the kitchen. Yeah. And <laughs> it's a small little place, too. So just, we'll just save that for the next location. Right. You know? right. Exactly. Kettle showers are great. I have no problem with them. They're yeah. easy. They just they don't infect anything. I mean, they, 
they probably could, yeah, but yeah, know, we got our right. we got our stuff. You together. got it more under control. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. <laughs> okay, well, I think um, we are winding down on time. So, Cara, if people wanted to find out more about Aroxa, where can they go? They can go online to our website. Um, it's www.aroxa.com. Nice and easy. Um, we have social media. is easy. Um, pretty much all of our handles: Facebook, Instagram, Twitter are Aroxa FS. Um, short for flavor yep. standards. Um, I've tagged them. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, other than that, yeah, you can get us through there. Um, and yeah, just there's an inquiry form or on social media and we'll get back to you if you've got any questions. Um, even if people aren't regular customers right now or we've never heard from us, we're always happy to kind of help and answer questions. Um, I think that's something that we do regularly. We have brews awesome. regularly email us who just say, look, I need to know more on the impacts of acetaldehyde on this. So I need to know this. And we're like, okay, fine. Yeah, right. I always think free information and education is how you kind of improve the industry rather oh, than sure. saying, yep. this will cost you $500. Yep. So, <laughs> yeah, we, we'll, we're happy to give anyone any information. I mean, the only thing I can't tell you is the flavors on the Master Cicerone test. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't go that far. But we'll, yeah. we'll turn this recording off here in yeah. a second. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> All right, great. Well, thank you so much, Cara, for joining no us problem. today. Thanks. Cool. All right, everyone. Well, thank you for joining us and um, stay tuned for more. This has been False Bottom Girls. And we make the Bruin world go round.